Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He was noted as Moses' assistant. Faithful. Nothing glamorous about it, just Moses' assistant. Next thing you know, he's the one leading them in. Caleb, right, when he's 80 years old, he's an older guy. The Lord comes to him and says, Caleb, I'm going to send you in. And, you know, I'm giving this land. I got some land to give you. And Caleb said, yes, I'm as ready at 80 as I was at 40. And he goes and he gets that land. And God didn't forget him either. He got his portion. And his portion was for him and his people behind him. For as much as we admire Moses, he made some big mistakes that brought serious consequences. Because of his lack of faith and patience, he didn't get to experience the promised land that he was called to lead the Israelites to. Instead, Joshua was blessed with that incredible privilege because of his faith and humility. In today's message, Pastor Bill will challenge us to seek those characteristics in our own lives. God can do great things in you if you trust in Him and acknowledge your weakness. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the ocean. And so you read that, God said, look, did you stumble one of these little ones that believe me? It'd be better for you if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown. It'd be better if you were dead. It'd be better if you died than if you did that. And so, again, I look here and I think they messed up. They led, they misled people. They led people out of the promises of God. So what do we take away from that? What do we learn from that? I think that we need to be careful about projecting our fears on the other people. Everybody here has fears, rightly so. Um, But we need to be careful as leaders in particular that we don't project our fears onto people looking to us for God's word. Um, There have been times where me and my wife have decisions to make. And, you know, we'll go on our let's pray hiatus. We're going to take some time to pray about it. And I'll have natural fears. Uh, now I can say it now, but because uh, it's past. When my daughter was doing a she was in a, a, a discipleship program in Murrieta and they were going to have a trip to Mexico. And this is what happened in the natural. This is what happened in my mind. My daughter's young. She's only like 15, 16 at the time. Um, the whole group of people that's going is mostly white. And a couple of Hispanics, and I'm like, she's the only little chocolate child, you know, so she really stick out. I'm hearing about how they snatching up people in Mexico. They snatching these young girls and putting them into sex slavery. And I, I know about all these nasty, dirty things that people are doing. And I'm like, she would stick out. She'd probably be a gym. Anytime you got a group of all the same, anything that sticks out is unique. And I was like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't mind my daughter, my little unique chocolate thing, you know. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm thinking these things. And so I pray about, I dare tell my wife this. I never, she never heard it till right now, you know. I never said a word that to her, but I take all that to the Lord. And then God was like, let, let her go. I got her. I'm in Mexico too. I'm everywhere. You know, that's what I get from the Lord. I'm, I'm everywhere. I got this. And so, okay, she went and she made it back and nobody bothered her and she had a great time and God showed her things. And, but I, that's, those, are the, those are my natural thoughts. Now, I can't imagine if I had said all that to my wife and then said, but I think we should let her go now. <laughs> I just, I would have stumbled. I think I would have stumbled. I don't know, babe. I mean, we've been fighting, you know, 
they're, 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 my point is, when you're struggling and battling with your own fears, you need to do it privately with the Lord and let the Lord sort it out. And before you speak up on something, you want to make sure by the time you're opening your mouth speaking that it's from God. You know, I, I took all my fears, and all my anxieties and all my un, I took all that to God. And when I got back, this is what I have. That's what the Lord said to do. That's how we're supposed to lead. So even in leading your children, there may be things that they ask and they bring up and, and your knee jerk response may be one where you're like, wait a minute, that's crazy. That's, I'm, you may be afraid and you need to. All right, let's pray. That's that's the that's the perfect. Not, it's not an out and it's not a cop out. It's a let's let's all get on the right page. Let, let me pray about that. Let me spend some time with the Lord and praying and then go actually pray and let the Lord sort it out. So these people took their fears and projected them onto people and it took and nobody wanted to do what God wanted. And God said, for that, you guys are going to die right here um, of the plague. And it's going to be an example because what is that going to do to everybody that watches them die? Right. If you're part of the, the group there and you watch them die, they get a plague. And I don't know what the plague was, but it was something. It was something pretty horrific and it, and it happened real quick. Imagine that the 10 people that said don't go and you're looking at them and they die and everybody looked at them die. Maybe they swole up and God, I don't know what it was, but I bet it was something visual and I bet everybody saw and I bet everybody said, ooh, ooh, I'm not going to do that. You know, them, them 19 and under that was watching, I bet they were like, ooh. Remember granddaddy died because he's, he's, he was all scared. I'm, I'm brave, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to like them guys. You know, it, it, I believe it was a, it, it make an impression on them that that's not the way to go. And God left an example for those people there right then. These things are written for you and me as an example to us that we wouldn't miss God, that we wouldn't reject God, that we wouldn't despise the, the plans that God has for us, but that we would be those that are entering into everything he has, fighting battles, warring in the spirit, but winning in the name of Jesus, everything that he has for us. Now look at verse 36. Now the men who Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. That would have also been a, a, an important piece that those 10 spies died. And those two didn't that God was also distinguishing those that stood upright before him. Um, they were made to stand uh, when everybody else was made to fall. Verse 39. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, here we are. We will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. Now, this part is so sad. Right. I believe that they these people died. I believe they saw that and was like, oh, no, God killing folk. You know, this is serious. We they, they came that day and said, Moses, we're ready to go. We're, 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 we saddled up the Moses. We're, we, we're going. And I believe that the fear of God, they saw these people die of the plague and they said, OK, OK, not we're going to go. And this is so sad because it's too late. Right. They missed. That's why we call this missing out. They missed out. It's actually too late. There is a point at which you can't go get what God was going to do. It's too late. You, you, you walked in unbelief too long. You walked in rebellion too long. You went the wrong way too long. Now it's too late. And 
Nobody really has a measurement to say how, how far is too far. How long is too long in the wrong direction? We don't know. So just don't be in the wrong direction. Amen. Because they, I'm sure if they had known before that this was the outcome, they would have done things differently. But it's a little too late. They, don't, they didn't get to know that. And so they come back and say, you know what? And they're confessing. They said, we've sinned. We're going to go now. We're, you know what? We're going. Verse 41. Moses said to them, now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Now when God told them go, they wouldn't go. Now when God tells them they can't go, they're like, no, we're going to go now. Now we'll go. <laughs> and Moses said, y'all, now you're transgressing the God's command again. He said, this is not going to be good. It's not going to go good for you. And you know, and again, I just see here are people that are too, it's too late, but they want, they, they want it to work out, but it's just too late. They can't go back and get it now. And um, it's a sad thing. It's a, it's a really sad thing. Verse 42, Moses speaking says, do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies. Note this, for the Lord is not among you. So don't go up now. Right before when God told you to go it's because he was going to go with you. He was going to go before you. But Moses tells him now, don't go up now because the Lord is not with you, not with you. This reminds me of Samson. If you guys remember the story of Samson, um, the spirit of God had come upon him and he was out there wrecking havoc on the Philistines, killing them by the loads, you know, just at, at tearing their gates. I mean, he terrorized them Philistines, but he was in rebellion against the Lord. And he kept transgressing the commands of God. God said, don't, he's not supposed to intermarry with pagan women. He kept going after these pagan women. He wasn't supposed to touch anything dead. He stuck his hand in the, the lion and, and, and took the honey out. And he wasn't supposed to take anything from the vine. And he just breaking the commands all along the way. And it looked like he was getting away with it. Nothing was happening. But he finally got broke down by Delilah. She broke him down. And he told her, you know, about his hair. And she, she, she. Got the guys to come shave his hair after after a sequence of events. So he was really just dumb. You know, she laid down, Samson, tell me the secret of your strength. You tie me up. I'll be like any other man. He wakes up with a group of men in their room tying him up, you know, and he plinkly killed all the guys and, and put them out of there. And I would be looking at that girl like, you set me up, you know, get out of here, you know. But he went right on back to her and said, tell me the secret of your strength. And he told her another lie and. Sure, he wake up and when he told her would weaken him, they're there doing it again. I don't know that. That's that's just that's when I mean, I look at that and I think, man, she must have been some kind of I don't know what she looked like, but she must have been something else. I, that's a special kind of stupid that he just it's clearly she doesn't have your best interest. Clearly, she wants to have you taken out by the Philistines and and, and he gets closer to the truth. You weave my hair in a loom. This couldn't be a mistake. He wakes up and his hair is tangled up in the loom and men are coming to get him and he jumps out and beats him up again and just Sam, you've made a fool of me. You, you don't love me. And it says that she just nagged him. That, I don't know the exact word, but it just weighed on him. To find, he finally just cracked. It's okay, fine. This is my, my hair. I'm like, cut my hair, I better get my health. Now I'm, I'm a Nazarite for my birth. Now leave me alone. And he went to sleep that night and they shaved that brother's hair off. And when they came in to get him, he jumped up as at other times. But he says that he did not know that the Lord had left him. Got up with no power. Imagine a man that just had, it was a supernatural, the spirit of God anointing upon him. And he would get up and whoop the Philistines because God wanted the Philistines to, to, to be whooped. But this day he gets up and God's like, no, I'm gone. I've departed. Not with you. 
no strength. And they gouged out his eyes and they bound him and they took him and they, you know, made a they made a, a feature of him. And so, again, as I read this here, this group, because they, they've had a sequence of events with God where they mess up. And God, we're sorry. And he forgives them. And then they do it again. They complain some more. And then, we're sorry. And they've done this back and forth with the Lord. But this time God says, no, that's it. That's it. You're going to die here. And they're like, no, we don't want the 40 year death sentence in the wilderness. Lord, we'll go. And God says, no, you can't go now. I'm not with you. I won't be with you. I won't go with you. You won't have victory over the enemy. Don't go. When I said go, you wouldn't go. Now I say don't go and you want to go. Don't go. Verse 43. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you and you shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. Um, notice the same enemies are there. The enemies that God would have easily defeated had they gone when he said go. Now God said, because I'm not with you, those enemies will tear you up. Your enemies are stronger than you without me. But when you're walking with me, there's nothing There's nothing greater than God. So when you're walking with God, you're walking in the, the greatest authority, the greatest power that exists when you're walking with God because there's no authority above his. There's no power greater than his. But when you're walking without God, it's just you. You can't whoop the enemy. I can't whoop the enemy. The enemy is powerful. And so that's why I always want the Lord in between me and the enemy. And so God says, now you guys are exposed and you're without God's help. You're ill prepared for this battle. 44. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. So that should have been a hint for them. Whenever they would go out to battle, the Ark of the Covenant was the, the, the physical representative, the physical representation of the presence of God with them. The Ark didn't go up. And Moses was the appointed leader from God. The man God had used to lead them out of bondage in Egypt, the man that God had used to lead them through the, the sea on dry ground. This was the man God had raised up to be his leader. He ain't go neither. You don't have the presence of the Lord or the presence of God's God's physical presentation of leadership. You have neither one. And so that should have been a hint to them that this is not like before. But they went anyway. Verse 45. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormon. So they went down there and got whooped up on. You know, God was not with them. So. What do we take from a story like this, right? What do we take from, uh, it sounds like a big negative. They went, when they shouldn't have went, they, they didn't go. When they should have went, they, you know, they didn't go. When they shouldn't go, they did go. They went and they got beaten. They'd have messed up, despised God. It's like, it's so negative. But there's a positive. Here's a positive. Everybody turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 10 through 13 together. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Everybody got it? First Corinthians 10, verse 10. All right. Picking up, it's in the middle of a, uh, a, another conversation, but look at verse 10. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. And in verse 13, one of my favorite verses, no temptation has overtaken you except that such as, as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape 
that you may be able to bear it. What 1 Corinthians 10 does, you guys, it takes us back to this group. If you go back and read earlier, we talked about how they sinned sexually and how they tested God and how they all the things they did. And as you come to verse 10, he's talking about the Israelites, and how they complained against the Lord. He says, nor complain. He's telling us right here, don't do what they did. But then he tells us something really key in verse 11. These things happened to them as examples for us. These things were written. The Holy Spirit put these things in the scriptures to admonish you and I. Right. This is God's heart. God said, I've written in great detail the failure and the successes of groups that have gone before you that you might be better for it, right? That you would learn from what they went, that you wouldn't have to go out there and do what they did, that you wouldn't make the exact same mistakes, but that you would look at what they did and say, oh, I'm not going to do that. And that you would just move in the right direction. My dad tells me when I was a kid, um, I have an older brother that's 10 years older than me, and on a couple of occasions, um, you know, I saw him get a spanking. And if you could imagine, maybe I'm six, that would make him 16. The, the amount of force that you would spank a 16-year-old, I ain't never seen. I had seen little kids spankings, you know, where as a little kid, you know. But I remember seeing him get a spanking. And I was, I was, I, was, I remember, I, my dad tells me, he said, man, it was so funny. He said, you came and you, you sat next to me and you were like, what, what did he do? You know, I want to know what my brother did. And my dad, whatever he told me, said, dad, I'm never going to do that. What, you know, it was like, whatever he did, I was, dad, what, I'm never going to do that. Whatever, that was a bad whooping. I, I remember as a kid just, you know, watching that like, man, I, I've never been spanked like that. That was, and that, was, that was something serious. And that was my words to my dad. What, want to know what he did so I could vow that I would never do whatever that was. And so these things, right, they're written for us. To admonish us that in that same way, you guys, we look at this and say, God, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to despise your promises. I'm not going to fall back when you said go forward. I'm not going to get caught up when other people are being negative and doubting. I won't get caught up with that group. And as a matter of fact, I'm looking at Joshua and Caleb because they're going to be later on. They're going to be the guys who get to go in and experience all that God had. And Several times in, in the scripture we're going to read where God, he, he, he separates them and says, man, they wholly follow me. Caleb had a different spirit. These guys were awesome to God. God was pleased with them. Be like them. Let them be an example. The, the, the positive and the negatives are written for our admonition. So this is what we take. We don't want to be like them and be people that uh, walk in fear instead of walking by faith. Uh, the Bible teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God for those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we won't be people that walk in fear, but walk by faith. We won't be people that cower back from the spiritual war, but we'll face it head on with God's help. Right. God's always before us. That's why we're taught to pray. That's why we're given the spiritual armor and we put it on the helmet of salvation and the, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and our the belt of truth and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We, and we're ready to go forward, not backwards, not quitting, but we're pressing in to everything God has for us. And so, God, we don't want to be like that. We want to be like this. And thirdly, and most importantly, as I, I read this story and I'm looking at how. It was personal. God took it personal. You just, you rejected me. And now I'm rejecting you. Right? I'm going to give you what you wanted. You wouldn't trust me, so you don't get it. Now, that's the negative. But you know the positive? 
God comes to Joshua later and says, when Moses died, because Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land because of his, his mess up. And God says, Joshua, you're going to lead him in. What? You don't just get to go in. You're going to lead him in. And those, those first, the first battles into the promised land, Joshua, you're going to get to lead those battles. How come Joshua got picked? How come he got to be the guy to go in and get them first battles? How come he got to be the guy to go to Jericho that nobody could break through Jericho? How come he got that awesome plan to walk around six times quiet and the seven times shout and play instruments and the walls come down? And Joshua's noted for that victory. How come? Because he trusted God. He was obedient here. And God said, I'm going to bless you. It's going to be good for you, Joshua. Right? That could be us. Right? Your obedience today is is another step forward it's another it's another demonstration to God that you trust him you believe him that you're you're you can be trusted with great things that God let Joshua do small things and they got greater and greater and greater for years he was noted as Moses assistant faithful nothing glamorous about it just Moses assistant next thing you know he's the one leading them in Caleb right when he's 80 years old he's an older guy the Lord comes to him and says, Caleb, I'm going to send you in. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving this land. I got some land to give you. And Caleb said, yes, I'm as ready at 80 as I was at 40. And he goes and he gets that land. And God didn't forget him either. He got his portion. And his portion was for him and his people behind him. He wouldn't just be blessed, but those that come behind him were going to be blessed as well. So, uh, again, we take from this examples of what not to do. but We take some great examples of what to do. And so just in the way of practical application, two things for everybody to consider. What are the things in front of you that God has called you to move forward in faith to do? What are the things that are in front of you that you know God's nudging you, moving you to do that, that there's fear or doubt or unbelief? Or what are those things? And go ahead and target them. Go ahead and acknowledge them that God, I know you want me to do that and do it. Just go forward. Just keep moving forward. What are those things? What are the things that we need to be pressing forward into? Second, what, what are if there are areas of just disobedience? Are there areas where because these people were just disobedient? Uh, it manifests itself in lack of faith, lack of trust, rebellion. God said go. They said no. Understand that when God says do something, you won't do it. It could be a, a myriad of reasons, fear, unbelief. At the end of the day, it's disobedience. That's how the Lord sees it. And so if there are any areas in your life of known disobedience, you want to repent. You don't want to continue to go that way. You want to repent of disobedience. Thank God for the option to repent and turn from it. Be forgiven, be cleansed, be washed and start walking in newness that you wouldn't miss out like they missed out. And lastly, that we be careful how we use our influence because the 10 spies use their influence to influence people out of belief and God paid them back for that. Joshua and Caleb tried to use their influence to move people to faith and even though the people didn't take, God honored and respected and rewarded them for it. So be careful how you use your influence. Don't be discouraged if like Joshua and Caleb, you're saying the right things and people aren't following, say the right things and do the right things anyway, because God was pleased. And sometimes that's going to be your victory that I please the Lord. Nobody went with me. Nobody agreed. Nobody got behind it. But the Lord was pleased. And that's got to be enough for us, you guys, that the Lord is pleased. 
Uh, for Joshua and Caleb, I guarantee you, they're they're not they're not in heaven right now saying, "I wish we had to have more people would be, be, support us." That God was with them and God was pleased, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.